2: Look for delicious Kroger brand products because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now in store or online. Kroger, fresh for everyone.
3: This is Sharp Money with Patrick Maher and Amal Shaw on VSN, the Sports Betting Network.
4: And we begin this edition of Sharp Money here at South Point Casino and Hotel. Amal, always great to be with you, sir. Likewise. And then I, I look at this show that Dustin's put together and I go, did you guys do this for, for me and you for old boxing heads? Because when you have a show like with lamps on it, people go, who's lamps? He might be my favorite bo- boxing announcer of all time. Jim Lampley is going to join us in our number one. And then you get Dallas cowboy legend, Steve Berline on the show. Yeah. Notre Dame too. I get that. But I mean, for me, people forget when Aikman went down, Berline steps in. Cowboys go all the way to the postseason.
1: Absolutely right. I think he's a forgotten name. Yeah, he's a big guy. Big guy. Big tall. Yeah, absolutely. Could six, throw. Six five. Pocket. Legit. Speaking of big guys, Jerry Cooney. Yeah. One of the first fights
4: that I remember, uh, like everybody talking about, was Cooney against Larry Holmes. Of course, we've got a big fight this weekend. That's why we're going to have Jim Lampley and Jerry Cooney on. Maybe right now. Pound for Pound, a supremacy at stake with yes, Errol Spence absolutely. Jr. and Terrence Crawford. Then we're going to talk some baseball with Jim Duquette. And then Mike Somich is going to join us in hour number three. So it's a hell of a show, if I may say so myself. But before we get to the boxing and the other things, the scare heard round the natty. Whew, my goodness. Now, we're not doctors. We don't play them here at the network. But if you saw, and I know you did, the way it looked for Joe Burrow in Cincinnati, it did not look good. But the center says, and "This is Ted Karras." Well, he thinks everything's going to be okay. Take a listen.
3: Well, me and
5: DJ were running kind of parallel with him, um, and it happened. We you could hear us both gasp. Um, I think Joe'll be okay. I don't know the extent, but I think it's just you know how hot it's been, and we're running around getting our bodies acclimated. But we'll see. I think Joe'll be
4: fine. The thing, of course, that's what you hope, and nobody wants to see this for one of the budding stars in the league. Yeah, but again, if you've seen the video, which I have seen, it it didn't look good. It, it looked like you know it's one of those no contact injuries, and right. you fear the worst. Or it could it be an Achilles? Well, calf. It's not a knee. It sounds like the best-case scenario if it's just a calf. Hopefully some Gatorade and some bananas. Maybe that'll (laughs) cure it. But, I mean, right now, as we sit here in late July, I'm all – I mean, you got to go with the ultimate kid gloves going forward with this guy.
1: Well, there's no question about it. And look, we see so many veteran players hold out. Now, Joe Burrow in his fourth year, so a little bit different scenario. But overall, I think if you're Cincinnati, take a conservative approach. As long as he's ready by week one, that's all you're concerned with. They open up with the Cleveland Browns. And I got to tell you, Dave, it's going to be a more important game than people realize because this Browns team has had good success against Cincinnati mm-hmm. the past couple of years. You know, it's funny. I. I've kind of been on the fence about Deshaun Watson. I'm not talking about the off the field. I'm just talking strictly on the field. But I looked at his numbers. He's a far better player than I've given him credit for in his career. And I think the difference could be with his mobility and what this team can do from an offensive line standpoint with, in my opinion, the best running back in football, Nick Chubb. This could be an important game for Cincinnati. You know, everybody's overlooking the Browns in the AFC. But if there was ever a long shot that you're looking at that could cause some problems for the Bengals in the AFC North, it's the Cleveland Browns does it change the equation
4: at all with the injury or do you believe like the center and like the other guys, Hey, yeah, we were all scared, but everything's going to be fine when we get there. Because, you know, I, I remember last year with say, I don't know, you look at Maddie Stafford, you and I were talking about this this time last year going into the season. Is he really healthy? And we, you just assume they're going to be okay. And then they're not okay.
1: No, you know, I think it's the the mindset and the approach that everyone would take in terms of what they're doing. They're going to take a, uh, uh, approach of, hey, you know, he's going to be fine. We'll be fine. They're, they're not sitting there concerned about it. So from that standpoint, I think it makes a difference just for them mentally. Now what the result and how the long-term effects and ramifications will be remains to be seen.
4: All right. So again, that win total right there is sitting at 11 and a half plus money here, plus ten If you think the Bengals, remember they had the, the, uh, the one canceled game. That's why there was only 16 on the schedule a year ago at 12 and four last year. If they can hit that win total, it is predicated on the health of one Joey B. So, not that I would shy you away from playing that win total today, but like if I if I don't have a
1: wager already in, there's no way I'm running to the window now after seeing what we saw from Joe Burrow yesterday. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's funny you said that. I was thinking about the futures market. A lot of people have the Bengals. If it was an Achilles, I mean, mm. my God, the season's over. It changed the whole dynamic of the AFC. I think then Kansas City becomes everyone's prohibitive favorite in the AFC, but. Let's just see what happens here. This team is really dangerous. I think Bro is going to have an MVP type of season. This defense under Lou Amarillo has been one that's incredibly underappreciated. Yeah. I think people that follow football closely know from a statistical standpoint how good they've been. But just to most people, you look at you go, oh, Bengals, they're an offensive team. But defensively, they've been tremendous.
4: Now, I'm with you on that. I think it's the, maybe the most overlooked part of that entire team there with Cincinnati is the defense. I wanted to pick your brain on what we saw coming out of Ann Arbor. And Harbs is going to miss the first four games. If you've looked at the schedule, uh, I don't think they're going to miss him. All four games at the big house, at Michigan, all non-con. I don't think Michigan's in any danger of getting off on the wrong foot. But when asked about said suspension, I I want you to hear what Harbaugh had to say.
1: Not allowed to talk about any aspect of that ongoing um, situation. And I'm with you. I mean, I love to lay it all out there. Um, nothing to be ashamed of. And um, but but now is not that time. And um, that's about all there is to say about that.
4: Okay. First of all, he looks great. Yeah, fresh haircut. Right. I like mean, he sharp. looks like he's rolling back the clock. He's yeah, slim. He did, yeah. Drink that milk. milk Eat steak. It's a, it's, a, it's a very politician thing that we see nowadays. You know, I, I can't talk about it. It's an active investigation. I mean, that's what that is. Man, I really want to tell you guys, and there's nothing to be ashamed of. He threw that in there, right? Like, hey, man, it's all good in the hood here, okay? But I just can't tell you about it. That is such a great get-out-of-jail-free card. Because, again, we see our politicians do it all the time. I just can't tell you. I want to tell you.
1: But I can't tell you. Yeah, but that's because people would rather hold their college football coaches more accountable than their senators. That's just another story for that was for Dustin, by the way. Um, but you know, the reality of it is, this Michigan team is not going to miss him. You got East Carolina, UNLV, Bowling Green, and Rutgers. And oh, by the way, all four games are in Ann Arbor. Mm-hmm. And if you guys recall, Michigan put up seventy-eight on Rutgers a few years ago. Whoa! Well, so it's not like this team can't sit there and beat them blindfolded. Uh, the State University of New Jersey, I. Let's see how they perform. I think they're in serious trouble. Uh, Bowling Green just to drive up I-75 there. UNLV coming to collect their check. Same with East Carolina. In,
5: in fairness, Amal, the people of each state do pay their football coach more than they pay their senator.
1: Well, that's true. Well, because they get better results from most football coaches than they do their senators. I mean, that's a fact. That absolutely is a fact.
4: Uh, so, I mean,
1: like, to me, it's like, by, by the
4: way, do we even care anymore? Like, seriously, what's as a society, if somebody's out with PEDs, they go, when can you play? When is he back? Well, no, Wait, I, nobody cares anymore. They just go, oh, yeah, Harvest is gone for four.
5: Well, he did not no, miss the they, Ohio State game. Nobody cares. They only care about the PED thing when it comes to voting for Cooperstown.
1: That's it. That, it's so true. And by the way, baseball should move Cooperstown from Cooperstown, New York. Why? Stop. Have you been there? It's perfection. Yes. What's wrong with Cooperstown? So that's that's the only uh, uh, pro football. I've been to pro football and basketball hall of fame, so I've not been to Cooperstown. Oh, you got to go. go. Okay, I don't disagree with you. However, here's the thing. You I'd, li- to go. I- I'd go. like you it for... Bur- you can't
5: say this a night of God. No,
1: let me give you my reasoning. <laughs> is there a more difficult spot in the United States that's in the Continental 48 to get to than Cooperstown, New York? It is in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. For New York, yes.
5: But good. Make it hard. You really want to be there, go. Like, they, find a way. They've got an
1: amazing Little League park there. This is why I'll never go into business with this guy. Why? It is about maximizing profitability. He's like, make it hard to go there. No, it's not about j- making the money. The hard is what makes it good. <laughs> it's about getting people to come and see you, your Hall of Fame, so people have interest in the game. No, it's the about growing the game.
5: Be there. I don't want the casual.
1: But who wants
4: to go to Canton? Yeah,
1: no but disrespect. Canton, can't Ohio is so much better than Cooperstown. As a person from Northeast Ohio, I should take umbrage with that statement, but I can't. <laughs> an, but I can't.
5: Cooperstown's an hour from Saratoga. Saratoga has a huge racetrack, has a lot of people going to it every year. People can hit Saratoga, hit Cooperstown
4: the same day. I know because I've done it. And again, I can't say because I can't say, well, it's the best of the Hall of Fames because I haven't been to all of them. But for the ones I've been to,
1: which is only Cooperstown. It's
4: absolutely (laughs) the best.
1: (laughs) Um, I went to the basketball hall of fame so long ago. It is completely different now. Springfield, Springfield, another big metropolis that mall thinks, by the way, you can at least get to Springfield. It's not far from Boston. I mean, come on, give me a break. It's
5: not far from Albany.
1: It's where I was born. Thank you very much. And
5: Albany is the state capital of the best state in the union.
1: I mean, I, I don't know. I, I was born in the state of New York, so I'm not going to sit there and argue with you. all oh, three of us. All three Yeah, yeah exactly, yeah. Wow. Um, well, I know what your Social Security
4: starts with then. <laughs> Zero. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, yeah, look, I, it, back, back to Harbs, but for real, it, it's not going to matter, right? It's yeah. not going to matter for these four. We understand that. I do think that that's the PC thing to say that Harbs has to say. But does it have, for you, as, as knee-deep in college football as you already are, does it affect them at
1: all after those four games? No, it just it, it, to me. Here's the big thing: if you're the interim coach, yeah, you've got an opportunity to get four wins on your resume. Think mm. about this. Remember, Ryan Day took over for uh, Urban Meyer when yes. he had a three-game suspension. They won. It, they had to come from behind, win against TCU. Ryan Day eventually gets elevated to head coach. If Jim Harbaugh were to potentially win a national championship this year and says, "Hey, I want to go back to the NFL." Then it's maybe an opportunity from someone on this staff to showcase what they can do for four games.
4: And it's a great point. And again, those first four, we don't think are in jeopardy. There is one conference game on the schedule. I, I sit corrected. It's Rutgers, the last game mm-hmm. at the Big House. They're still going to be double digit favorites in that game. They're going to be. I, I can't 30, see any. These... They're going to be
1: 30 point favorites in the first three games plus. Ooh. And they're going to be 20 something. No, they're going to be 30 probably against Rutgers. They're going to wow. be 30. Somewhere at least, let's go. With, let's just play it safe. They're going to be twenty-five point favorites in all four games, at least. Very quickly, because they are the two-time reigning defending Big Ten champs. I, I felt like that was a shot at me, but please a little continue. bit. But like, do they? Do, are they still underappreciated for what they've done the last couple of years? Uh, that's a great question, and I would agree. Yes, they are. I think this team right now. If see, I think the bookmakers look at Georgia because they have an easy schedule and say they're going to be in the college football playoff. All they have to do is win the game at Rocky Top. Um, win the big I mean the SEC title game and then they're going to be in a position to be able to get to the college football playoff to me right now I think Michigan I don't know if they they have the best talent Mm. but I think the team is in the best position to win a national title of anybody in college football it's fascinating to see what they've been able to do the
4: last two years what they could do uh, possibly without harvesting those first four when we come back let's start spreading those rumors around Major League Baseball let's discuss next here on sharp money
2: This is Sharp
3: Money with Patrick Maher and Amal Shaw on VCN, the Sports Betting Network.
4: Want to get in on all the fantasy action, but sick of managing your roster, sick of player injuries ending your season? Well, with Best Ball and DraftKings, you get the best of your team all season long. This year, Best Ball and DraftKings is bigger than ever, with $10 million in guaranteed cash prizes up for grabs. So from time to time, you can join DK's largest best ball contest and get your first entry back in DraftKings dollars as soon as the draft is finished. Act now before this offer will expire. So to start playing best ball, download the DraftKings app using the code SHARP. Enter DraftKings Best Ball Millionaire Contest. Snake draft your team for the entire season. Every week, you're going to automatically rack up points for all your top scores. No ads, drops, trades, or I should have played that guy instead of that guy. Teams with the most points by the end of the season, we are going to have a shot to take home the $1 million top prize. So what are you waiting for? Head over to DraftKings app, sign up with the code SHARP, and start playing best ball today. If you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER. One per customer. Opt-in required with a $10 entry fee. Bonus issued as $10 DK dollars. Age and eligibility restrictions to apply. Void where prohibited. See DraftKings.com slash promotions for all of said details. Back alongside them all, Shaw, Dave Ross here. Whenever I read age and eligibility restrictions apply, yeah. what if the age was you're too old to be in the contest? Like, that's never happened before.
1: No, because AARP, which has the largest lobby, oh, they would absolutely destroy whatever that organization They would is. say,
4: no, you're not doing ageism Correct. against our older Correct. clients like myself.
1: Uh, by the way, it is time for the rumor mill to
4: really start flying in Major League Baseball. And I, Dustin uh, texted us earlier, we saw the news... And it's it's so funny, on MLB Network, it says breaking news. The Dodgers are close to acquiring Lance Lynn and Joe Kelly. So that's not breaking news. That's like could be news. So it's not done. No, it is done. It is
5: now done. It's now done. Now it's official. Yeah, Rosenthal and Nightingale both reporting. It's uh, Lance Lynn and Joe Kelly to the Dodgers.
4: Okay, so Kelly back to L.A. And you get Lance Lynn. Like, does this make the – by the way, the Dodgers right now minus 5,000. To make the playoffs. I mean, they're going to make the playoffs. We know that. The Diamondbacks and free fall. It, does this, they needed pitching help yep. behind Clayton Kershaw. Yep. But does it make them, when you hear this move, you go, okay, Joe Kelly, middle guy, back into the bullpen guy. I guess Lance Lynn, you can put him in as a four. I mean, like Lance Lynn was awful in Chicago this year.
1: So how much better do they get with this move? I want to know which one of you two decided to ask me this question about Lance Lynn and Joe Kelly, two guys that don't matter.
5: See, it doesn't excite you. I don't buy
1: that, though. Please. Also Joe, Joe Kelly
5: was a very productive reliever when he was a Dodger. Yes, he was. Do you know who else was productive when he was a Dodger? A guy they just traded for from the Red Sox, Kike Hernandez. Yes. The thing you have to understand about this front office, despite you hating analytics, Amal. I don't is, hate it. I think it's overused. They understand the positions they need to put their players in to succeed. For example, had Ross Stri- Stripling on a show a few years ago. Ross said he was just a middle of the road kind of swing man. Mm-hmm. And they told him, look, This pitch, you're not throwing it enough. This pitch, in this instance, you need to throw more. And they went through all the ways he needs to approach his game differently than he had been. I am intrigued by both these moves. I don't think they are big dial movers, but I would say is I'm intrigued by the fact that it's the Dodgers organization pinpointing two guys that they think who've been productive in the past that they can get them back to where they were because they are ahead of the
1: game analytically. I I don't disagree with you from the analytics standpoint, the argument you make. So in that case, then they better start pulling Tony Gonzalez after the first rotation of hitters (laughs) because he can't get through the fourth inning. And all this analytics is helping Julio Urias get to an ERA of five. (laughs) Can I I redirect, counselor? Yeah, please. Okay, so if those moves don't excite you. Correct. And I get that. 36-year-old Big Daddy Lance Lynn. I mean, he just, he's but, he, and,
5: but he, here's what I'd say. He's a guy who has been good at times and has lost his way at times. Yes. And he needs someone to show him what he needs to be doing better. He's not a guy who can just go out and reach back and do it on his own. He needs a proper <laughs> coaching staff and Look, look where he came from. Would you say that the uh, the White Sox no. department
1: is doing a good job in getting the
5: most out of their talent?
1: <laughs> no, no. But the way you phrase it, this is not drug and alcohol rehab where he's lost his way. Okay. <laughs> well, the no, bottom no. line is my, when my man shows up, 25 <laughs> lbs overweight to uh, spring training and doesn't lose that weight, he's not pitching in an ideal situation. I get maybe he'll be revitalized being with the Dodgers. I think you make some compelling arguments. And Kelly is a guy. Look, when he's on, he can throw as hard as almost anybody in that seventh-inning role, potentially eighth-inning. Mm-hmm. They've been The problem is they haven't had Blake Trinan. The bullpen has improved from where they were earlier in the season. It's still bad, though. It is still bad. He's still an improvement based on what they're throwing out I'm not there. disagreeing <laughs> with you, but look, if you guys tell me, Joe Kelly, I got no problem with it because I think he gives them what they need, one inning every, every second to third yeah. day. But, man, we want to talk about Lance Lynn. Their starting pitching has been bad. Okay, well, I was trying to excite you guys because the
4: other trade talk there – is that the Cardinals have said they're on record, they're going to be sellers. And then they initially said, well, that doesn't mean Goldie and Arenado. The Dodgers reportedly
1: are in discussions, we'll find out how serious, to get Nolan Arenado. I knew knew where you were going because, remember, he's from Newport Beach. And so this would be an opportunity for him to come back home to Southern California, just a little bit down the road in Orange County. And you get a gold glove third baseman like him, He's the only guy in baseball, probably. Uh, Andrelton Simmons is the other guy that I would pay to watch just play defensively. Arenado and Simmons, in terms of what they can do defensively, not to mention his bat. You imagine this lineup. Freddie Freeman, uh, Mookie Betts, and Nolan Arenado. You're Atlanta Braves, Dustin. I know you're not a Braves fan. That but was the question. They're not. It, it's, it's a whole different ballgame. Dodgers become real threats. If you like the Dodgers and if you think they're going to acquire Arenado, it's a bit of a roll of the dice. Mm-hmm. I think they go from 5-1 to one to 4-1 to one immediately if Arenado gets there.
5: Yeah, I just – I don't think the Cardinals are going to get rid of their cornerstones. Like I don't think they're going to get rid of their superstars, not Goldschmidt, not Arenado. But I think the guys whose contracts are up are guys that don't really fit into the future because they have so many other versatile pieces already in this lineup that they're yeah. producing. I think a lot of those other pieces will then be used to replenish the farm system and fill needs, like, starting pitching that they desperately need. But I, I see them contending next year. I don't think the plan is to rebuild in St. Louis. I think the Cardinals are looking to get some pieces. To help them win next season.
4: I just don't understand when the GM comes out and says, We're, we're going to be sellers at the deadline, and then you don't sell Aaron Otto or Goldschmidt. Then you're not sellers. No, you. Like, well, if you're selling. Well, no, You've you Jordan Hicks, who
5: people want. He right. was like
4: 102. But, like, you, that's not. But, well, you know what I mean? Like, selling yeah. to me, like, if you're a Met fan, like, if you're selling, you're selling
1: shirts, you're selling Verlin, you're selling the top end guys. No, but to me, you're not selling Arenado because he's got, I think, three, maybe four years left on his deal. So yeah, he's did. got He's still of time. getting it
3: done. Yeah. Right.
1: So Goldie, I could understand because he's got a year plus um, this season yeah. and the next year. I agree. Um, so that's why I disagree on Arenado. I, I think is still a cornerstone piece. Golden, you know, the one thing I didn't realize about Goldschmidt, you guys may, be, may have been aware of this. He is 35 already. Yeah, he's, yeah. Around. he's getting yeah. up there. All right, let me do
4: one other team. And we saw, I know Met fans like myself are consternation over David Robertson. Maybe what the Mets got back with the fighting fish down there in Miami. I Look, to me, it's an expiring contract. You get talent, we'll f- right? Like, get uh, something. Right, exactly. The sky is not falling, Met fan, but the people are just outraged so the over this deal. The sky already fell, Dave. Yeah, like Billy Eppler, gonna fire Billy Eppler because this David Robertson deal, big deal. But for the Marlins, the yes price for them to make the postseason is plus a dollar ten. Now you do get David Robertson for the rest of the year. Reports are... They're in on TA at Chicago, Tim Anderson. When I was in Chicago, Tim Anderson was like Elliott Ness. He was untouchable. Now he's very touchable. Does that make the fight and fish a playoff team? If now that you have Robertson and then you add a Tim Anderson, does, is that enough to say Miami? Yeah, that's a team on to back at
1: plus money. Tim Anderson does nothing for me.
5: <laughs> no, and he's not like you're, you're also like buying low on a guy who was a batting champ, like, that team doesn't need another middle infielder. They need a power bat, middle of the order guy who can drive in these runs. Like, they've got table setters. Heck, when Jazz Chisholm comes back healthy, he's playing out of position in center field. They need a center fielder.
4: Well, they need... a. Jean-Carlos Stanton. Like they need a like a stick. Christian like, Yelich, Marcelo Zuna. Oh my God. Like everybody was in the organization that they let go. And then they're gonna go get Tim Anderson. Like that that moves the. I'm with you. It doesn't move it at all for me. For the I like the Robertson move. I think that's a smart move. If you, yeah, you know, that's a we saw the Phillies, the way they utilized them, but TA, you got to go get a stick. Yeah, I'm not
5: buying them in the second half of them all. I think there's a lot of teams on their heels. There's teams in front of them that I th- like if Cincinnati adds a pitcher, if Arizona adds a pitcher, I think the the Marlins are definitely missing the playoffs.
1: I, I would agree with you. And you look at this team, they had a nine game losing streak. Yeah. Or, or, excuse me, an eight game losing streak at one point here. Um, and when you look at it to me right now, uh, He's he's struggling this year, two forty one. I mean, granted, in twenty nineteen, led the league in hitting at three thirty five. Last well, course. he's he's like openly miserable. Like he's
5: letting everyone know he is not happy in Chicago with the way things are going. The and uh, well, who,
4: who's well, to blame him in that clubhouse? Well, that, that's the thing they they couldn't wait to get rid of Tony LaRusso. And Look, a lot of things away from the baseball, I understand. They run Luis out, yep. and they're like uh, historically drop off bad. And so I thought T A. and those guys from my Chicago days, they're supposed to be the leaders and he just wants out. So it's not like, look, maybe you get him on pennies on the dollar. I can understand that, but I, I'm, I'm with Dustin on this. It doesn't feel like the type of mood, a
1: move that would excite me for a guy who seems moody. He's I, right we, now. He's like, like, does this the guy you want in the clubhouse? I would agree with you. And you bring up a good point. Is he a guy you want in the clubhouse? Now, sometimes a change of scenery is best. And I think for him, it might be the situation and scenario. Yep. Um, but he's got the talent. There's no question about it. He's only 30 years old excuse me, the one advantage if you do trade for him, he's got a club option for $14 million next year. So it's your club that determines whether you think it's worth it or not. So it's not a bad scenario if you were to go acquire him. All right, we'll see what the fighting fish do if they do in fact make that move. But it does to Dustin's point. He just wants out of Chicago.
4: He's letting everybody know it. when we come back. Boxing royalty. No, not just a mall but Jim Lampley is going to join the program next. Cannot wait to get his thoughts on the big fight this weekend between Errol Spence Jr. and of course Bud Crawford. Come on back at Sharp Money here on Visa.
3: This is Sharp Money with Patrick Maher and Amal Shaw on VSN, the Sports Betting Network.
4: The NFL betting guide is already out, and our college football guide drops next week. So get previews and predictions for every D1 team and conference, best bets on futures and season win totals, plus an in-depth breakdown of how you can use our betting splits and power rankings to make you a smarter better this upcoming season. So sign up before the end of July. Receive both guides and full VEASAN pro access all the way through the Super Bowl at an early bird discount of just $175, or sign up on a monthly subscription. Get your first 30 days for only $19 to see everything VEASAN has to help up Betting game. Remember this offer does end july thirty first, so don't miss out on these preseason deals. Go to VC.com slash subscribe, take advantage of these special offers and become part of of the Sports Betting Network. Back alongside Amal Shaw, Dave Ross here. at South Point Casino in fabulous Las Vegas, Nevada. And Amal, what a real treat. Oh, an honor. To have boxing royalty on the program with us now. Four-time Emmy Award winner. International Boxing Hall of Fame. Called HBO Fights for over 30 years.
1: Why World of Sports? 14 Olympics. What hasn't Jim Lampley done? Absolutely nothing. I, I'll be honest with you. I, I'm privileged tomorrow night to be working the Showtime pay-per-view. And for me to speak to a legend like Jim Lampley, I worked every day with Brent Musburger for three years. Whew. And to have a gentleman like Mr. Lampley on, it's an absolute pleasure and a privilege. Jim, thanks for joining us today. You know, we're excited, obviously, about this
4: Errol Spence Jr. Terrence Crawford fight tomorrow night right here in Las Vegas. Is this one of those fights, Jim, that would still, for somebody who's called it all, like we mentioned, something that moves that meter for you?
3: Oh, Sure. Yeah, very definitely the fight of the year, uh, a fight for which we have waited years. And, uh, you know, uh, until it happens, you can't definitively say, okay, this is in a category with uh, Duran versus Leonard or Hearns versus Leonard or uh, some of the other great welterweight title fights that have taken place during my era as a a boxing fan and follower. Uh, But it certainly has the potential to be. And, uh, you know, could become a repeat entity, could become a trilogy. All depends on uh, how they perform and what the outcome is tomorrow night. But uh, there's every reason to expect that this is a really top-notch, maybe great fight fight between two very high-quality, maybe great fighters.
1: Mr. Lampley, a lot of people don't have the opportunity to get to a championship fight in their lifetime. Can you just kind of set the scene and what the vibe is like when you are at a championship fight? I was telling people it's bigger and better than a Super Bowl when you are at a fight of this magnitude. As you alluded to earlier, people have been waiting five years or more for this one. And just the atmosphere around these types of fights, you've called so many great fights.
3: Well, you know, in the Super Bowl, you're looking at two teams. And by teams, we're talking about uh, 45, 50 individuals, and those two teams have already played uh, 16 regular season games and uh, two or three playoff games. So uh, there's been a lot of activity leading up to a Super Bowl or an NBA playoff uh, series or any of those other kinds of things. Championship prize fights like this are unique in the sense that um, the only buildup is the fighters are preparing, fans are preparing, and we're waiting for a long period of time to see what's going to happen uh, within a 48-minute envelope, maximum number of minutes that are going to be involved in creating whatever is the outcome in the ring. So the intensity of the event is magnified by the single thing that sets boxing most apart from other sports. Conventional sports, football, baseball, basketball, all depend on uh, abundance and regularity for their relationship to the audience. I'm interested in these teams because their activities are abundant. I watch them on television. I watch them regularly. I understand what I'm seeing. Uh, I'm excited to see them finally going against each other for the biggest stakes. Boxing is marketed and presented on the basis of Scarcity and irregularity. I've gone years wondering whether I was going to see Terrence Crawford uh, in the ring against this particular opponent. Uh, I've gone years wondering, from the opposite perspective, uh, whether I was going to see the fight. So, at the end of the day, it's the it's the the, the time capsule moment that has been built up to for. Uh, a long period of time, and whether Errol Spence wins or whether Terrence Crawford wins, they will both have emerged from a a moment in their career that is uniquely set apart from everything else in their career. Might happen twice, might happen three times, uh, but whatever happens tomorrow night, it will be a crystal clear, distinct memory because of the scarcity and irregularity of major prize fights.
1: Dave, there are title fights and then there are legacy bouts and this is exactly what this is. Absolutely feels like it and what a
4: conversation we're having here with International Boxing Hall of Famer Jim Lampley and, and Jim, when you look back on your career and some of the bizarre things you've seen fan man comes to mind obviously uh, with Evander Holyfield and Riddick Bowe. I remember your call Julio Cesar Chavez and Meldrick Taylor. You're going to watch Lou Duval go absolutely crazy and of course one night in Tokyo, you're there for Buster Douglas, maybe the biggest upset in the history of boxing when he knocks out Mike Tyson. H- how do you, how do you- when you, when you see these moments unfolding before your eyes, are you almost starstruck in the moment of, of witnessing what you're seeing? And sometimes it, it really does feel like it's almost unbelievable what you're actually witnessing.
3: Well, of course, when I was calling fights and those kinds of things were happening uh, on my watch, and of course, there's uh, enormous intimacy. Once again, go back to the Super Bowl, NBA playoffs, the World Series, the announcers are there and they're. Closer to the event, arguably, in some ways than uh, most of the fans. But only in boxing do you sit uh, at ringside about 36 inches maximum away from the edge of the ring. Uh, and and so you have a, a more intimate view and perspective of what goes on there than is the case in any other sport. And when you talk about Tokyo, and I think there's no question that Douglas's dominating win over Tyson – was the most uh, amazing upset in the history of the sport. Consider that the very first prize fight I ever attended live when I was 14 years old in 1964 in Miami Beach, between uh, Sonny Liston and Cassius Clay, Wow, uh, had an astonishing outcome with a seventh round knockout victory for Clay. That was immediately identified and uh, and unquestionably identified as the biggest upset in the history of boxing. So as the later rounds of Tyson Douglas are unfolding and Douglas is becoming increasingly dominant and landing big shots, which could conceivably lead to uh, a stoppage or a 10 count, I'm sitting at ringside thinking to myself, oh, my God, the the very first live prize fight I ever attended with a ticket ticket. Uh, for which I had paid paid lawn mowing and car washing money, (laughs) earned over a period of months, was the biggest upset in the history of boxing. And now, here I am sitting with a headset on, calling for the entire American audience, my description of the fight which will now displace that one as the biggest upset in the history of boxing. So it's impossible to have a moment like that without, in a way, thinking to yourself, oh my God, this was destiny. I was supposed to be here uh, because it links so directly to that moment in my childhood.
1: Uh, So uh, glad you use that example we talk about all the time we talk about betting and one of the things is when you look at the greatest odds of a long shot in an individual matchup or game nothing comes to mind more than Buster Douglas beating and really pummeling Mike Tyson in Tokyo that night I think so many people kind of remember where they were but probably weren't engaged with that fight. Mr. Lamp, I want to ask you, I know you've covered a ton of fights and fighters. Is there anyone that stands out to you that inside the ring, outside the ring, you respected them as a fighter, but they were also just a great person? I had a chance to meet Mike Tyson yesterday, and I'll tell you what, different guy than many people may have remembered. It was just a terrific human being now, and where people have seen him in the past.
3: Well, um, you know, I've known Mike since he was a 19-year-old prospect. His very first network television exposure on ABC was the very first fight I have recalled as a a broadcaster. Uh, He uh, delivered a uh, a fifth-round stoppage of a journeyman fighter named Jesse Ferguson that day in the fourth round before the fight was stopped in the fifth with blood all over the ring. Mike had thrown a right uppercut, uh, turned out to be a trademark punch of his, that flattened and destroyed Ferguson's nose. Um, And it was an electric moment. It was It was shocking. It was uh, thrilling in a way. And uh, afterward, my expert commentator, uh, an ABC executive named Alex Wallow, who had grown up uh, getting on the train from Greenwich to go to Gleason's and other gyms in Manhattan because of his love of boxing, Alex went into the ring to interview Mike and asked him about the uppercut. And Mike instantly said, well, Captain Mata taught me that the purpose of the uppercut was to drive the opponent's nose bone into his brain. So I was trying to drive Jesse's nose bone into his brain. And, and at that moment, I thought to myself, oh, my God, look at what I have happened into here, because I was just becoming the blow-by-blow guy for ABC. Mr. This, Lampley? It is not only going to be the greatest, quote, machine in boxing.
4: We've got to go to break. If you could hang with us, we'd love to carry you through the break. We're going to come right on back here. Stay with us here on VEASAN,
0: the sports Betting Network.
3: Is Sharp Money with Patrick Maher and Amal Shaw on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network.
4: Download the DraftKings app today. New customers can bet $5, get $150 in bonus money instantly by using the promo code VSIN. That's V S I N when you sign up today. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for all the terms and conditions. Back alongside Amal Shaw, Dave Ross here. What a conversation we're enjoying right now with International Boxing Hall of Fame uh, commentator Jim Lampley and Amal. And you know, we're talking to Jim about some of these amazing points of history, yeah. almost like not just boxing history. They become part of Americana history that you're going to be at tomorrow night, right here in Las Vegas. Do you get that sense? Cause I know we get the feel like
1: this is something special tomorrow night. Yeah, obviously, Mr. Lampley's covered a million more fights than I have, but it's it's exciting. You know, he he laid it out beautifully when he talked about the buildup to a fight like this. And and I think it's years in the making, whereas I love the analogy of football. It's one season. right? And so to get to this point, it, it's so much longer.
4: So let's continue that conversation. And Jim, when you look at these two guys in Spence Jr. and Bud Crawford, you know, Errol is 33, Bud Crawford's 35, both guys obviously undefeated here. You know, we always worry about unboxing. Sometimes that the fight gets made a little bit later on, like the Mayweather-Pacquiao fight. Do you could you still consider this their primes when both guys are undefeated, even though they're north of thirty?
3: In these two instances, I do. Uh, neither of them has ever suffered a significant uh, beating, not even for a, a full round, much less for a full fight. Uh, both of them are great. Uh, conditioners and trainers and uh, are in the hands of very skillful people who have had them for a long, long time and know them and and recognize most things uh, about them uh, in the intimate, detailed way that trainers know their fighters so they can see uh, the troublesome signs long before a spectator or a journalist is going to see it looking into the ring. Uh, and so I think in both of these cases, you're talking about guys who are going to be ready to perform at their very best tonight, whatever they've got left, and they should have most of what they began with because, as again, I say n- neither of them has ever suffered a beatdown. Uh, they should be ready to perform uh, tomorrow night. Now, let me say one thing. Uh, I'm very one sided in terms of my knowledge base going into the fight. I have never met Errol Spence, I never covered an Errol Spence fight. I don't know his trainer, Derek James. Uh, we just never had any particular contact. On the other hand, uh, I called Terrence Crawford's breakout fight when uh, he was chosen as an opponent for a fast-rising South American fighter named Bradis Prescott. Top Rank uh, had the fight coming up in Las Vegas. Top Rank was fishing around to try to find the right opponent to showcase Bradis Prescott on Uh, HBO as Prescott looked forward to bigger things. Um, uh, Timothy Bradley had had Crawford as a sparring partner in his camp. Bradley told the matchmakers uh, at top rank, you should put uh, Terrence Crawford in that fight, and I'm not shocked if he beats Prescott. The matchmakers didn't necessarily agree. They thought they would be shocked if uh, Terrence beat Bradis Prescott but they went ahead and made the match on uh, Bradley's recommendation, and Crawford went into the ring and won every round uh, and, and dominated Prescott in a way that was completely unanticipated. So that's what brought him onto the scene. Uh, Spence is a far more celebrated kind of entity. He was identified as maybe the best prospect in the sport uh, back in the days before he had had a big, meaningful showcase fight. And, of course, he's remained undefeated, so he has lived up to that expectation. But Crawford earned where his place where he is from a, uh, a more remote starting point, uh, and I think that helps to give him some incentives going into the fight.
1: Love the analogy you used on Prescott. That was a fight that took place back in March of 2013 here at Mandalay Bay Event Center. This is a tremendous fight from your perspective here. Just when you've seen Bud Crawford, what do you like about him in the welterweight division, and what's allowed him to get to 39 and 0?
3: He's a great adjuster. He uh, he's tremendously aware of what's happening in the fight. Uh, he is not burdened with an ego that will prompt him not to make a change or make an adjustment. Uh, if he sees that something isn't working the way it's supposed to, uh, obviously his transition from conventional to Southpaw is a trademark now. And in the past couple of years, I've seen him fighting pretty much 80 90% of the time Southpaw because that's where he knows his greatest advantages lie. So there's no longer this suspense about, okay, when is Terrence going to switch his stance? Um, Spence is very much like Crawford in the sense that he, too, can fight comfortably from either stance, conventional or southpaw. Uh, they both have very good jabs. They're both effective body punchers. They're very similar uh, in terms of their their styles. Um, and again, I don't know Spence nearly as well, but I do know Terrence well enough to know that he adjusts incrementally, uh and step by step throughout the fight and whenever he makes the last adjustment that he believes is going to win the fight he's going in for the kill. He's not looking to win the fight. He's looking to put this opponent away and get him out of his mind and go on to other business in the future. He's not a rematch fighter. He is a he is a I am going to beat you and humiliate you kind of fighter. So because of the difference In my knowledge and experience with them, I'm inclined to pick Crawford to win the fight tomorrow night. But I don't know enough about Spence. I never sat down across from him at a table and spent 30, 45 minutes interviewing him and debriefing him with Roy Jones seated on one side of me and Max Kellerman seated on the other side of me. I had that experience with Crawford many times. Uh, So, again, there's a knowledge imbalance that I have to deal with going into the fight.
4: Talking with the Boxing Hall of Famer, Jim Lampley. And you mentioned, you always said this through the years, Jim, in your calls, you know, expect the unexpected in boxing. Right now, the total, we're expecting, at least, the, it's juiced to the over 10 and a half rounds here. Could we see the unexpected? Could it be a quicker night than people think? Or do you think this one has more the prospects of hitting the scorecards?
3: Well, they've both proven to be finishers in situations where they, they feel they have the advantage, but they've also both proven that, uh, they can go to distance, stay within the prescribed envelope, listen to their trainer or trainers in the case of uh, Crawford, and and win the fight. Uh, so they're you know they're all-purpose winners, uh, and I you know I'm not shocked if if we see a 12-round fight. I'm not even the slightest shocked by that. I'm also not shocked uh, if we see a a late knockout. Because the fight is close, and whoever is finding himself at the advantage in the 9th, 10th, 11th rounds uh, decides to commit and, and take the risks that are necessary in that instance to get a knockout.
4: All right, we only have about 90 seconds to go. Do you have a favorite call that you've ever had? Because I think you have about 1,000 to choose from.
3: I have about 1,000 to choose from. Uh, <laughs> but, be, but because he was my... Expert commentator uh, on HBO Boxing at the One time, chance. And because I did not plan it or anticipate it, uh, my favorite call is, it happened, it happened. And I said, George Foreman knocked out Michael Moore to um, win the heavyweight championship that he so craved and coveted after uh, what had happened in Zaire 20 years before. And, and the story I always tell is that I was in my room the night before planning and thinking about what would happen in the fight, and never once did I consider that George was absolutely telling me the truth when he had told me several times in the months leading up to it, you watch, at some point late in the fight, Moore is going to come and stand in front of me and let me knock him out. And when it happened exactly that way, watch the video, uh, and Cortez is counting to ten at about six or seven. I'm thinking, why the hell didn't I agree? Why didn't I believe what he said? Why didn't I plan something for this? And what came out of my mouth was based on those previous conversations with George. It happened. It happened. Uh, And more... Viewers will remember that than any other call.
4: Okay, I just got chills. Uh, the oldest heavyweight champion of uh, history, George Foreman, that night when he knocked out Michael Moore. And, of course, Jim Lampley was on the call. Uh, we, we can't thank you enough for the time. I know you're doing yeoman's work at UNC, and all those kids that get to listen to you at UNC is their privilege. We appreciate your time. Enjoy the fight tomorrow night.
3: All right, thank you, guys. I'll talk to you later. Bye-bye. Thank you.
4: There he is. I mean, not every day. Like, for for all the calls he could choose, right? Buster Douglas knocking out Mike Tyson, any Oscar De La Hoya fight, Roy Jones Jr. calls, George Foreman, Chavez, right? The call against Mildred Taylor. It's big George Foreman becoming the oldest heavyweight champion. It happened. It happened. And
1: that's why, and you're going to see this tomorrow night, expect the unexpected. Absolutely. It's going to be an incredible fight. And uh, hats off to Dustin for uh, getting him. He texted me yesterday. He said, hey, we got Jim Lampley. I'm like, are you kidding me? Jim Lampley? I mean, that is, as they say. A great get. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's <laughs> funny because we work with Brett Musburger here at the yeah. network. So it's like whenever people get – we've had people on, they're like, I can't believe I'm on with Brett Musburger. You know, it's like for you and I were are both boxing fans, it's the same way. <laughs> it's our childhood yeah, exactly. and right
4: there in uh, our, our adulthood as well. So great having Jim Lampley on. When we come back, Steve Berline is going to join the program at the top of the hour. Of course, Notre dame at Dallas Cowboys as well. Get his thoughts on football. Come on back and start money here on Visa.
6: Get yours in coconut or other fabulous scents at a nearby retail store.
1: Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real Steel.